Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 64 of the Australian Hiker podcast, and this week's episode is titled Australia's Long Distance Trails. Now, spending time in the outdoors walking through the bush has always been a fairly popular activity, uh, but over the past few years, hiking has been increasingly appearing in the media. Sometimes the... uh, these media articles are based around negative aspects, such as lost or injured hikers, but there's also many positives uh, as people discover the joys of being out, out in the great outdoors, taking in the scenery and challenging themselves physically and mentally. Now, much of the recent uh, popularity uh, to do with hiking has been generated by mainstream movies such as Wild and A Walk in the Woods, And these two movies have raised the awareness of the American Long Trails uh, of the Pacific Crest Trail, which is over 4,200 kilometres in length, and the Appalachian Trail, which is over 3,500 kilometres, as well as others. While the interest in these trails has increased, and there are those of us who have added these trails to their bucket list, not everyone wants to walk overseas for months on end. So what you may not be aware of is that Australia has its own long trails, and while they may not have the same international profile, and I'd probably say on this one yet, they are progressively making a name for themselves and gaining in popularity. In this week's podcast, we'll provide a brief overview of some of Australia's better known and in some cases, little known hiking and multi-use trails over 200 kilometres in length. Before we look at these trails themselves, let's talk about why people do them. While you may not want to walk hundreds of kilometres, most of the trails have ability to be walked in sections, uh, known as section hiking, uh, and this provides a taste of what's on offer and maybe one day might inspire you to take a longer walk. Section hikes on these longer trails are easier when you live close by, uh, because you can go out and do section at a time without having to have too many too many logistics actually getting to the site itself. Uh, it can become a bit harder when you have to travel interstate to do a trail. Now, for me and many others doing a through hike, and that's when you start at one end of the trail and finish at the other end of the trail in one go, it's appealing for a number of reasons. Uh, it's a shorter time period in weeks uh, as opposed to months or years that you'll go through and complete the trail. Um, it's a personal challenge, providing a sense of achievement. And as a generalisation, it's usually cheaper. Um, and what I mean by this is, if you go back and do a section at a, a year for, for five or ten years to complete a trail, you've got the transport expenses to actually get there um, uh, every time you actually go through and travel, unless you live next door to one of these trails. Now, for me, I have section height pieces of... Uh, the Australian Alps Walking Trail, and also the Bicentenary Trail. Uh, and while I may not go through and do uh, the full full trails, at least not in the short term, um, these trails are accessible, uh, and there's nothing wrong with just doing the shorter sections of the trail at suit. 
There are also disadvantages of doing these trails um, as a through hike. The big trails can chew up a lot of your holiday leave. So if you're doing um, uh, some of Australia's really long trails, you're looking at four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve weeks of your holiday period. Yeah, and I must admit, for me, um, two weeks at a time is is my limit. I've established that. Um, I start to wonder about the other things that I could be doing. And, um, you know, while Tim's happy to spend much more time um, on the trail, I'm looking after two weeks for a spa and a sauna um, to take care of those aching limbs. (laughs) Um, the longer trips can also be fairly physically demanding. It's one thing doing a trip over a week or two, but doing it over a period of multi-weeks or even multi-months uh, is going to take a physical toll on your body. So this means more preparation, um, more fitness training before you start. It can also be very mentally demanding, particularly if you're solo hiking. And we discussed solo hiking in episode 17 of the Australian Hiker podcast. So let's look at some of the Australia's long trails, and we're going to do this in alphabetical order. As I said previously, we've set the limit, and it is very much an arbitrary limit, of trails over 200 kilometres. Um, and we just had to draw the line somewhere, and we decided that was just a reasonable sort of figure to work with. The first of these trails is the Australian Alps walking track. Distance-wise, this is 650 kilometres, um, and you can have the choice of starting in either uh, just outside of Canberra or in Victoria, and you're travelling through uh, three states, Victoria, New South Wales, and the Australian Capital Territory. You can do this trail year-round, but having said that, if you're going through and doing it in the middle of winter, you need to be expecting to have snow conditions, particularly in the, the Alp region, uh, because this trail, as it is named, Australian Alps Walking Track, covers a lot of the, the Alps National Parks, uh, and you are going to have a lot of snow to deal with if you're trying to do this in midwinter. Um, this trail by, is by no means the longest of the trails we're going to talk about today, uh, and in, compared to some, it's actually reasonably short, but logistically, it's probably one of the most difficult trails. It doesn't pass through towns, although it can pass close by to some of them. And this means that you're either going to have to meet people on the way to collect your next batch of food, um, or you're going to have to, what a lot of people do, go through beforehand and cache food. Uh, and typically what that means is burying them in a, a water watertight uh, sealed plastic, plastic container somewhere easily that you can find it when you come through when you're walking. So logistically, more of a difficult trail and one that really requires you to have a bit more navigation skills. Yeah, and I think the other thing about this one is that, you know, you're pretty much um, camping in the wilderness. So um, whatever it is that you're carrying is what you're using um, to um, sustain yourself. And, um, you know, there probably aren't too many prescribed camping sites along the way, if any at all? No, I think as far as I'm aware, and as I said, I've done sections of this trail, but I certainly haven't done the full amount. Uh, while there are huts that you'll come across, they tend to be emergency use huts rather than uh, going through and camping inside them as an expectation. The next track we're going to talk about is the Bibbulmun track. And this trail is actually, or track is actually based in Western Australia. 
That's a distance of 1,003 kilometres. Uh, now, one thing I will mention while we're talking about distances, the trail lengths can actually vary. Uh, with a lot of these big long trails, it's not unusual to have some reroutes or some corrections due to, uh, due to environmental conditions. Uh, so the distances we're talking about really are more based around what the, uh, the designed and built aspect of it is, but it can vary slightly. So as I said, this trail is in Western Australia and it goes between Albany uh, on the southern uh, coast of, uh, coastline of Western Australia and finishes in Kalamunda, which is just on the outskirts of Perth. Um, the trail, again, is open year-round, but the Bibbulmun Track Foundation recommend that you don't walk this trail in midsummer because you've got fairly excessive heat, um, limited water supplies, uh, and there is fire potential. Um, and certainly the, this trail has been in the news in the last couple of years for environmental conditions. And um, uh, there was, uh, it's not unusual to have some of the, uh, uh, the huts and the infrastructure uh, burnt or damaged through fire each year. So it really tends to be a, a sort of April through to October period that you're tending to be doing this trail. The trail itself passes through a variety of eco ecosystems, uh, and if you're starting in the southern end of the trail, you're starting on the coastline uh, and then coming inland. Um, depending on the time of the year, you're certainly going to see a lot of uh, uh, wildflowers uh, and native animals, um, and it does pass through different forests. This trail is actually based around the or based on the American Appalachian Trail, um, and as such. Uh, there are 49 campsites, which, with with a, a couple of exceptions, or one exception, I believe, um, are three-sided huts uh, that are spaced about 10 to 25 kilometres apart, which means if you're doing roughly around about the 20 kilometres a day, it means you can go from hut to hut and camp each night. Um, the trail, as I said, is prone to bushfires, um, and certainly a couple of years ago, uh, or in fact it was last year, there were some fairly heavy floods that uh, caused some impact on the trail uh, late in the wintertime. The uh, next trail we're going to talk about is the Bicentennial National Trail, and this is by far Australia's biggest trail, or longest trail I should say. 5,330 kilometres. That's a distance. <laughs> that certainly is a distance. It starts in Victoria or, for that matter, um, Queensland, depending on which, which way you want to go. So Victoria, New South Wales, Australian Capital Territory and Queensland. So the start and finish point, it is either Hillsville in Victoria uh, and the other end is Cooktown in Queensland, depending on which direction you want to head. And this is open year-round. This is classed as a multi-use trail, so it's made for hikers, horse riders and cyclists. And as such, a lot of hikers tend to discard this as a hiking trail because you are doing a lot of walking on management trail. Um, so given the sheer distance as well, it's not one of those trails that people tend to uh, do a lot of. And certainly looking, going onto the website and looking at um, the people who have done the trail, there is not hundreds of people there that have got their names down as having completed it. And I think um, mostly from my understanding, people do it as a personal challenge or a fundraising challenge or something like that. Um, 
probably much more than the pure enjoyment of um, being on this particular type of trail. But certainly as we speak, I know there is one hiker that's currently doing this trail at the moment. Uh, and, yeah, and at 5,330 kilometres, it's going to take a number of months to do. Um, so you, know, you really need to have the time um, uh, and put aside to go through and do this trail. Um, there's, as we said, it is, a, it is designed as a multi-use trail, but there still are sections of bush and wilderness. Um, uh, but in comparison, as I said, not as many hikers do this from start to finish. Uh, and we have done sections of this trail because it does pass through so many states. Uh, I've done a, a few sections of it, but it's probably uh, no more than pro- probably 30 or 40 kilometres in total. Yeah. For the next trail, we're going to look at the Goldfields track. And this has been advertised recently in some of the outdoor magazines. Um, and this is a track that runs for 210 kilometres in Victoria uh, and runs between Ballarat and Bendigo. Trail is open all year round. It probably can be best described as a heritage trail um, because you're going through a lot of the goldfields areas, uh, where which is, is a fairly historic area and seeing a lot of the, the old infrastructure and the old history that relates to this area. As I mentioned, it, the track is open to cyclists, um, but they recommend if you are doing this on bike, you do it on mountain bikes, that road bikes really aren't going to cope. Um, if you are cycling this as opposed to hiking, um, the trails do diverge, and this is not unusual. So the Canberra Centenary Trail, which didn't make this list because it was only 145 kilometres long, um, has a cycling version as well as a uh, hiking version, uh, and the cycling version avoids going up all the tall mountains. Um, you tend to go around them. Now, the Goldfields track consists of three interlinked tracks, and these are the 90-kilometre Wallaby track, the 60-kilometre Dry Diggings track, and the 60-kilometre Liang- Lianganuk track. Excuse my pronunciation there for the Victorians listening to this. But each of these tracks also consist of smaller tracks, and there's 14 of these smaller tracks that go through and make up the three medium-sized tracks, which go through and make up the actual Goldfield track itself. Um, which makes it quite um, accessible for section hiking and for people who want to do um, perhaps a, a day or a few days at a time rather than the whole lot at once. And you are travelling through a number of towns, so you can actually choose if you want to, to sleep in towns as opposed to tents, and resupply should be fairly easy on this trail. Our next trail, we're picking back up in distance again, is the Heisen Trail. And I must admit, I, um, I used to call this the Heisen Trail, and, uh, uh, but certainly this trail was named after Hans Heisen, who was a famous uh, Australian artist who, I must admit, I didn't know what his work was, but once I realised and I'd seen the paintings, there were paintings I recognised and had seen before, I just didn't know he was the artist. Outside of the Bicentennial Trail, this is Australia's longest recognised trail and longest dedicated hiking trail at 1,200 kilometres in length. It's entirely contained in the state of South Australia uh, and depending on which direction you're starting and finishing at, this trail uh, at one end is Cape Jarvis on the coast uh, and uh, you finish at Paranchilna Gorge uh, just past the end of the Flint... uh, the Flinders Ranges. Uh, and again, for me, 
I must admit, I tend to be a fan of desert as opposed to alpine regions. Um, so certainly this is one of the trails that um, uh, I will be doing over the next few years. I have to say, though, 1,200 kilometres, that's, that's pretty hardcore, even for you, Tim. For a lot of people that I've talked to that have done this trail, uh, they often take anywhere around the sort of uh, four to six to eight weeks, and it really depends on how how keen you are, how well-trained you are, and how fast you want to push. Um, but certainly, um, from my perspective, um, I don't have the ability, at least while I'm working full-time, uh, to probably do this trail, at least um, in the short term. Um, and again, for a 1,200 kilometres in length, it really tends to be the more harder core hikers that do this as a single hike. Our next trail, shifting into New South Wales now, is the Human Hovel Track. This track is 426 kilometres in distance, uh, entirely in New South Wales, and starts just outside of Yass and finishes at Albury, or again, as I said, the reverse will apply. This trail is open year-round and is one of a number of walking trails built as part of the Australian Bicentenary in 1988. The Human Hovel Track follows in the footsteps of the explorers it was named after uh, and is located in the southeastern New South Wales. The track itself consists of a combination of public roads, management trails and hiking trails, and passes through forest reserves and national parks. Uh, it also passes over a number of waterways, and apparently there are over 100 bridges on this trail. So I don't think they're huge bridges, but certainly a lot of the smaller bridges to allowing it across waterways. Uh, this track, track does pass through um, or close by a number of towns, making resupply reasonably consistent and reasonably easy. Uh, and from an infrastructure perspective, there are 17 campsites available. Now we shift to the Northern Territory and we're looking at the Larapinta Trail. The Larapinta Trail um, is 223 kilometres as designed, entirely contained within the Northern Territory uh, in Australia's arid uh, regions. Uh, and you are travelling from Alice Springs to Mount Sonder. Certainly the trail was actually designed to start Alice Springs and finish at Mount Sonder. Um, but we did this trail in 2016 uh, starting at Mount Sondra and finishing in Alice Springs, and progressively more and more people are doing that, simply because if you do it quicker or slower than you'd planned, you're coming back to Alice Springs. Uh, you don't have to rely on uh, waiting for transport to pick you up or being late for transport. Certainly this is classed as one of Australia's premier hiking trails and is well-known internationally. Uh, we talked to a number of people before we did our trip and we were quite amazed where people said, oh, yep, we've hiked the Larapenta Trail. But when you talk to them in more detail, they'd done sections of it. And again, nothing wrong with doing sections of this trail. Um, there, and there are some very good sections as opposed to some very difficult and, and, and very arduous sections as well. The trail runs along and crosses over and along the West McDonald Ranges, uh, and it really is a spectacular trail. Uh, but as far as long trails are concerned in Australia, it's the shorter, uh, it's on the shorter end. And for most people, they complete this trail in around about two to three weeks. 
so even at three weeks, it's a manageable trail for most keen hikers. It is definitely worth um, the effort, though. I mean, I think it's one of the the most um, inspiring um, pieces of scenery that I've seen. Um, it does change along the way. Um, and also, um, you know, the, 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 there's a sense of really strong challenge of um, having done something that's um, quite significant in such a harsh landscape. The next trail we're going to talk about is the Lavender Federation Trail, which is located wholly in South Australia. This trail is 325 kilometres, or at least it will be when the final section opens in May of this year. It travels from Murray Bridge and goes through to Clare, and again, this can be done in the other direction. Um, It's open year-round. Now, the trail's been open for a number of years, with sections being progressively added. Uh, and as I said, in May 2018, the length officially becomes 325 kilometres. The trail was built um, to celebrate the centenary of Federation, which occurred in 1901. Uh, and a um, hundred years later, uh, this is when the trail was starting to be built. Um, it's been maintained and built entirely by volunteers and runs through a series of diverse countryside, including private property and also flanks the South Australian Mount Lofty Ranges. Now, for a lot of people, this is one of these sort of trails that tends to be a bit divisive. This is a non-camping trail and relies on various accommodation options, including resorts and bed and breakfast to fulfil walkers' needs. So it may not suit everyone's tastes. But you still have to walk it to do it. Um, And again, just because you're not carrying a tent uh, doesn't necessarily mean it's not a hiking trail. The last of our trails is the Tasmanian Trail, uh, and, and I must admit, this is one that I wasn't overly familiar with until I started doing research for this podcast, um, and it's really um, the only long-distance multi-use trail in Tasmania and traverses the state going from north right through to the south. So 480 kilometres, uh, and it travels between Devonport on the north coast and Dover on the south coast. Again, it's open year-round, but the recommendation is to take care in bushfire season because you are in very remote areas in some cases, um, and if if there is fires, it can be an issue. The trail includes sections of walking trail, roads and management trail, and is caters for horses, uh, so as such it avoids national parks. So it isn't going to give you the full-on wilderness experience that, say, the, the shorter overland track may well do, but it does provide you with a long-distance trail in Tasmania. One thing with this trail is that the guidebook and the GPX file for your GPS is only available to association members. So you need to join the association, which is not that expensive, uh, and then buy the GPS um, or um, book to go with it. So I must admit, I I don't have an issue with this because it, it actually pays for supporting um, this the maintenance of this trail, which, as I said, is, uh, is tends to be done by a lot of volunteer work. We looked at a number of other trails when we were talking about this, doing this podcast as well, and for a number of them, they there is very little information on the web. Really, it relies on having to purchase maps and guidebooks 
from either individuals or from organisations. Um, uh, and one of these trails, as an example, was the Great North Trail, which runs between Sydney and Newcastle. So I deliberately left a number of these trails out, um, uh, preferring to only identify trails where you could get information easily on the website without having to pay for it. I would say, though, that um, with a lot of these trails, buying the guidebooks, joining the associations is probably a good idea uh, because it does provide you with additional information you won't necessarily pick up from the website. So whether you're only doing small sections of these trails, you're doing sections at a time with the intent of completing the whole trail eventually, or you're doing an end-to-end through hike, don't disregard these potential hiking opportunities if you have one in your local area. For a number of people, they search online, they look at the websites, uh, and they look for trails that are 5 to 10 kilometers long. And if you do that, you're not going to pick up a number of these big trails. Uh, But doing sections of them, and as I said, we've done sections of the Australian Alps walking track, as well as the Bicentenary Trail, um, or the Australian Bicentennial Trail. And um, they really are worthwhile doing, even if you're only doing pieces of them, particularly if they're in your local area. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think, you know, if you, if you are thinking about, um, you know, 10 kilometers is the sort of day limit, you probably are also limiting the opportunity and limiting the experience, um, that's available for, for you. So, you know, think a little bit broadly and, um, you know, challenge yourself a bit by getting into some of these longer tracks. Um, as I said, I've pitched myself as a 14 day hiker. Um, I'm, probably not going to do um, routes that are significantly longer than that, but I definitely do enjoy um, spending that amount of time out and about. Uh, Tim, on the other hand, you know, is, is um, keen to do extra long ones. And um, as I said, I'll be enjoying uh, champagne at the spa while he's finishing those off. I think Jill's forgotten that we've already got 2019's hike planned, and that's actually going to be a three-week hike overseas. So, uh-huh. uh, but that's probably uh-huh. a, okay. That's, that's probably, <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> thanks for pointing that out. Uh, but, but it is in France, so uh-huh. you know that's going to be the good thing, isn't it? It is. It is. The written version of this podcast is available on the Australian Hiker website and includes links to the websites for these trails if they're available. Next week, we'll be releasing our bonus episode for the month of May, and I'll be announcing which of these long trails that I'll be walking in its entirety, commencing in August of this year. So listen up for that big announcement. With that announcement, we'll also be releasing a new section on our website, so keep an eye out for that as well. As always, you can listen to this podcast through our website, through SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and iTunes. And if you have the time, please go through and rate us on iTunes to help get the message out there. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me. In this week's podcast, we'll provide a brief overview of some of Australia's better-known and in some cases little-known hiking and multi-use trails, over 200 metres.